Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Yesterday was the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross, and it's a feast that is, is very meaningful to me personally because it's one of the, the very first experiences I had with the Catholic Church was at a little parish out in the middle of Louisiana, uh, my cousin's parish, uh, Father Peter Mangum. And uh, he, he, it, was, it was either Good Friday or the Exaltation of the Cross. And it makes more sense to me that I would have been out uh, his way this time of year than it does that I would have been out there around Easter. But there it was um, attending this, this mass, and of course it was a, a big feast, and so the whole liturgy was sung, and he warned me about that. He told me that it, that was, uh, was going to be a sung mass, and there was the veneration of the cross, uh, where uh, the cross was laid out there at the entrance to the sanctuary, and everyone came forward and and kissed the cross. And of course, I was very Protestant, and I didn't know quite what to do with all of this. But I went forward, and I, I, you know, went in Rome, do as the Romans do. I knelt at the cross, and I kissed it. And I didn't understand why completely I was doing what I was doing. Uh, and, and I don't know that I had a profound experience, but I had an experience with the cross Nonetheless, something outside of my uh, my realm and my understanding and my my framework, my Protestant framework that I had for interacting with Christ and with the cross, and it made an impression. Uh, it didn't make me Catholic overnight. It was it was my first step, I think, uh, towards towards becoming a Catholic. Uh, everything up until that point had been uh, maybe some intellectual knowledge of Catholicism, what little there was, to be honest. And, and you know, I had been to my the ordination party, the graduation party for my cousin as he graduated from seminary. Uh, I knew that I wasn't allowed to have the little chocolate uh, cups with liquid on top of the cake because it was rum. Uh, and that was kind of my impression of Catholicism. I knew a little bit, a very little bit about Pope John Paul II because we were in Denver around the time of World Youth Day. Uh, and so my, my parents brought up the pro-life stance of the Catholic Church. It was a very brief interaction. And so my, my whole knowledge of Catholicism is very cursory. And this interaction, I believe, on the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross was my first real connection and and choice to interact with Catholicism and to, to be a part of that, that liturgy and that service as my cousin did his level best beginning there and continuing for years uh, to, uh, to plant seeds of, of curiosity in my mind. And in the long run, those, those seeds of curiosity turned into questions and those questions were then of course directed at him and he answered them skillfully while planting new questions in my mind to bring me to a place where I, uh, I could no longer continue in the, in the place where I was. I had to come into full communion with the Catholic Church. And it all started with the cross. It all started with a, a very tangible experience uh, 
uh, with the liturgy, this little landmark on my journey that I can look back to and I could say, here's a very definite, tangible, memorable thing, this interaction and encounter that, that then set the journey uh, on its way. And these are important. Uh, I think we sometimes get so caught up in trying to answer questions or to look toward apologetics and just to find the right way to, to, to answer someone's questions and bring them into the church. Um, when very often it doesn't start with a question. Uh, I didn't know I had any questions about Catholicism until I encountered it, right? And so uh, today, as we continue with the show, we're going to be talking with um, with Tony Vicenda. We've had him on the show a couple of times before, talking uh, once about his podcast and another time about discipleship and the Eucharist. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the, f- the first thing that I know of that he founded, Project YM. It's a youth ministry project, and it's specifically one that seeks to make disciples out of youth, uh, not not merely to do programs and, uh, you know, pizza nights, although that's certainly probably part of it, but rather to give youth uh, an encounter with Christ, uh, one of these landmarks along the way that then will will be for them that thing that they can look back on, that experience that they could look back on that began the, the forming of their faith, not merely in an intellectual way, but in the kind of tangible way that when they look back over the course of their life, they have these landmarks sticking up that they can point to. And they say, there, I encountered God. Uh, in the liturgy, there, I encountered God. In this in this time of adoration, I encountered God. In this this practice of faith over there that we did, I encountered the living God in a way that profoundly impacted my life. So often I think that we treat uh, religious education as uh, any other kind of class, an intellectual pursuit that by the end of it, we will have mastered our understanding. But what happens when we do that is we end up with people who feel that they have completed their coursework and have graduated from religious education at confirmation. When uh, it is our task not to, uh, to make intellectually proficient people, but to make disciples, to help someone encounter Christ in such a way that they are able to form their faith and form their consciences so that when they live out their daily life, Uh, The life of Christ is in them and working through them to impact the world, to change the people who are around them, and to bring about, through the body of Christ, the redemption of the whole world. As we say on this day in the Antiphons and on Good Friday, we adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Tony Vicenda, founder of ProjectYM.com, talking about youth ministry and the work that they do all around the world. Join us over on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. 
Today, we are returning to one of our favorite guests, Tony Vicinda, who is the founder and grand poobah over at projectym.com. You didn't think I was actually going to use that term, did you? I mean, I didn't doubt you. I, I've learned to not <laughs> doubt you. So let me talk a little bit about, uh, we've, we've had you on talking about your, your podcast, mm-hmm. Threshold. Yep. Uh, we, we had you on not too long ago talking about uh, the importance of the Eucharist in the life of a disciple. Yep. But now I want to talk about your uh, kind of your bailiwick, uh, and that is Project YM. Yeah. Engaging in youth ministry in in a way that differs from maybe the last 25, 30 years of what we come to expect from youth ministry of, of pizzas and, uh, you know, games of tag in the dark and into a discipleship model for uh, evangelism for youth. So talk a little bit about how you first got started in doing youth ministry differently and why it's important. Well, I want to clarify for one thing. I still love pizza parties and I still do love games in the dark. They certainly have a place. Wait, that sounds way weirder when you say that out loud than it does normally. Um, so I got I got started into youth ministry um, as a young person. I had a youth minister who, when they came in, um, they looked around and they saw a leadership team of young people that was a, a group of youth who gathered early and ate pizza beforehand. Um, and that was that was what they called the leadership team before we got together for the night. So it wasn't much of a leadership team. And he um, spent a year there. And then he, at the end of that year, as many people do, made changes. And one of those changes was shutting down the leadership team. Um, I was just going from my eighth grade to my freshman year. I was looking forward to being on that leadership team because I do I do love pizza. Um, no, because for me, there was, I think, some significance there. My church was the place where I felt loved, felt accepted. And being in leadership, that was the opportunity for it then. And so um, I went to him because we had a good relationship. And I said, hey, I was actually looking forward to that. And he explained why he did it. It was just this this gathering of people who weren't actually leading. They were just kind of showing up a little early and getting free pizza. And um, I, I understood that. Like, I mean, that made sense to me that that's not a leadership team. And he said, hey who are some other people you think might make good leaders and um, what do you think a leadership team should be doing? And so I said, I mean, I could make a list of about six to eight people. He said, get, get 10 to 12 for me. And I said, okay. And he said, and then I want, I want you and me um, to invite people. I'll invite people, you invite them and we'll take everybody out for a day of team building. And we'll just talk about what a leadership team could look like. And so um, it was this really early invitation into youth ministry looking different that actually youth ministry should look like, an expression of a disciple um, who's actually actively pursuing a relationship with God and actively living out their faith and not just somebody who's showing up a little earlier to eat pizza or to play games. Um, and uh, and it was fun still. I mean, there's still, like I said, we're, we're a lot of those things that you come to associate with youth ministry, but it was this bigger vision and it was this understanding of um, as a disciple, you're going to have gifts and you're going to be called to use those gifts. And at some point that happens with an invitation. And so for me, it all came from an invitation from John Matasso, um, who was my youth minister, into something more. So that's the start. Um, but I went on and I, I was active in youth ministry. I did an internship with John when he moved to a different parish, um, did the National Certificate in Youth Ministry Studies um, through the Center for Ministry Development um, while I was doing college and um, came out um, excited to do ministry. But one of the things I had learned early on was the power of that invitation and the power of actually asking a young person, 
what do you think this should look like? If you're called to discipleship, what should that journey look like? Um, how do you fit into that? Um, what are the unique things you bring to that? So even when I was an intern for John, um, rather than just asking kids one-on-one, I would actually set up these big processes as an intern. We would sit and listen to young people talk about what are the major areas and the ways we do ministry, what, what works in that, what excites you, what should be done differently, what isn't actually reading the, meeting the expectations that Christ, the church, the bishops have of what youth ministry should do. That simple process of asking those questions changed a whole lot of things. And so when I went into being my director at a parish of my own, um, uh, I started doing that on a regular basis with the parents, with the wider parish, with the youth themselves, um, and really trying to understand, hey, what if we are if we are a family inserted into this community right here to do God's will, to respond to the movement of the Holy Spirit, how are the young people of this community called to do that? Uh, and that's going to be led in part by what their desire is, not totally, but a large part of that's going to be what do they feel called to? Um, and really starting to form young people in a sense of, hey, what, how are your desires leading you closer to God? Um, and so that was that was a big part of what formed me early on that stuck with me and has impacted Project YM. We're talking today with Tony Vicinda, founder of Project YM. This is really interesting because it seems like a lot of our idea of youth ministry, and I could I can imagine some folks listening to what you're saying and maybe recoiling a little because we have this idea of uh, any kind of interaction with teenagers as uh, almost almost managing their emotions, yeah. helping helping kind of uh, chaperone them through this time because we don't trust their decisions. And, and for some part, there's some good reason for that. Yeah, their, Teens, their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. They're a little that impulsive yeah. that, you know, they can make some poor decisions, but, but there's no freedom given to them to make mistakes in a safe place. Right. Uh, to be able to explore their faith other than just having their faith uh, handed to them on the platter. Now we're going to go over here and, and it's and learn this and it's almost lecture format and it's not exploratory and it's not discipleship. Right. Uh, and, and so th- this responsibility that we have in some ways, and, and I think there's a balance here, but in some ways to get out of their way so that they can take charge of their own spiritual life in a safe place so that when they get to college or when they get wherever it is where they don't have that safety net, they can continue to develop uh, because they've already been trained how to develop that relationship. Yeah. So, so I think here's the thing that we miss a lot of times. Um, when, when children are in children's ministry, part of what we should be doing is preparing them for the next stage of discipleship. They're a, a child disciple right now. What does it look like to be a youth disciple? Well, the same thing should be true for youth ministry. We should be preparing them for adult discipleship. One of the significant misses in the Catholic church is, a, a lack of adult discipleship in most parishes. Mm-hmm. And so when you don't have that, you're basically preparing young people for nothing, which means it's easy for unhealthy practices to kind of be take root and, and spring up, right? So that's where you get, hey, we're just going to lecture, which most adults wouldn't don't want to sit through an extended lecture. If they do, they're going to go sign up for college. They're going to go sign up for classes. And there is a place for that. Right. Um, and, and we do that at our parish sometimes. I know you do it at your parish sometimes because we, we have a rich intellectual tradition. And for young people, it's the same thing. They can th- sit through a good hour, hour and a half long talk sometimes, but that's right. not what discipleship looks like. And so when we start to look at, hey, what should an adult discipleship look like? How are we preparing a youth for that? Giving them some of that ownership is a big part of that. And I loved what you said about failing in a safe space. That was a huge thing that was so upsetting 
to so many parents of in my ministry. And I'll, I'll be very honest, they were very upset that I would give their kids space to fail because my, not my child, right? My child can't fail. And or what if this? Right. Cool. Like they're running a lock in like, you know, for the middle school students as high school students. If they're going to get glitter all over the floor, like and that's a bad idea. And we've already kind of given them some hints about that and they haven't picked up on them. You know, they're just going to have to clean up the glitter afterwards. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to let them fail in a way that's going to injure them mm-hmm. or injure somebody else. I'm going to let them fail in small, safe ways so that they learn that the life of a disciple isn't over when we fail because we are going to, but God is not. And so um, that's a huge part of, of how we actually give kids ownership is saying like, here, here is real ownership, not imagined ownership, not we'll let you think you're doing it, but we're really making sure everything works smoothly on the back end. Mm-hmm. You've got to give them space to fail. You've got to let them do real things. And that's where, that's where God shows up in tremendous ways and in tremendous power and always has. I mean, scripturally, we can look at the fact that with all the developmental differences in our culture and ancient culture, the way God has always worked profoundly through people who are 12, 14, 16 mm-hmm. years old. Now, sometimes, like with the case of David, he appears and says, I'm going to work powerfully through you at 16 years old. And then David waits 20 years before right. he gets to work powerfully. That happens. But you also have people like the Blessed Mother, who God shows up in power and um, and transforms her already amazing life um, in, a, in a completely unknown to her way um you know i don't think many of us would look at a a 12 year old um in our in our pews and think yeah like this is how old mary might have been or a 14 year old thing this is this is where the blessed mother was at when when the angel appeared to her like Mm -hmm. if if god can trust a teenager that way i think we can trust a teenager that way so now you took this model uh of of youth ministry that was very successful for you uh and and you could have easily done that and just you know built built the empire of you go to this church and then you go to that one and wherever you are, you implement it, but you turned this into a tool that others could take and replicate through project YM. just real briefly uh, in these last couple of minutes. Tell me what project YM looks like and how it can help people in, in their own parish. Yeah. Well, it's certainly been an evolution, but actually at project YM, the big thing we realized is we could spend time working directly with youth. We can go give talks, um, we can do, go do diocesan rallies, but that's actually not what moves the needle. What moves the needle is well-formed leaders who understand these practices and these principles in parishes. And so many youth ministers feel isolated, feel alone, mm-hmm. feel under-equipped, under-supported, um, and feel like people care more about the amount of hours they're spending behind a desk than their prayer life or the lives of the young people they're trying to serve. And they feel very isolated in that. So um, Project YM has become very focused on helping youth ministers know that not only does the ministry they do matter, that they as an individual, as a disciple, also matter. We we believe that youth ministers matter. And so um, that's become our primary focus. So we do resources for parishes to use, um, but a lot of what we look at is how we build a toolkit that a youth minister can use big parish, small parish, urban parish, suburban parish, doesn't matter, to actually implement best practices across the board. And we invest our time and energy in training them virtually and in person and how to do those different things. And by virtually, you don't mean uh, almost, but you mean... Yeah, no, we don't almost train them. Um, They're virtually trained. Right. Right. No, but you do it, uh, distance learning through uh, through your Thrive Conference, yeah, which so people can go to online. Thrive Conference is an annual free event we do for youth workers. We have a membership community called Thrivers 
um, that is, uh, that it's just a place that we pour into youth ministers on a regular basis. We manage an online community of 5,000 youth ministers um, that's absolutely free, that people can just access good ideas, share best practices. Um, but our team also goes out, does trainings, but a lot of communities can't afford that. Um, right. We can't work with people in the UK, in Canada, in the Philippines, in Uganda, um, all at the same time um, uh, because they don't have the budget for it. And so technology lets us overcome that gap and that hurdle. And it's us actually work with those who need us regardless of what their financial situation is. And you can find that information over at Project YM, as in youth ministry, projectym.com. Uh, and that's where they sign up for the, the forums and everything else? Um, that, so there's a there's a connection to a lot of different things. Or that's our primary site, our blog. There's a contact form on there. And it'll also link you out to a lot of our other projects. Yeah. If you're involved in youth ministry, whether you're the director of youth ministry or whether you're a volunteer, this is a website you're going to want to spend some time on. There's great content there on the blog. Uh, there's great content put out every year in the Thrive Conference, which is available there from the website. Uh, there's so much uh, involved in this. Uh, pass this along to your, uh, your pastor, to your youth minister at your parish, and get them connected with this community of youth directors Catholic youth directors from around the country. We've been talking today with Tony Vicenda, founder of Project YM, about uh, what this ministry is. And, uh, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation as well as talk about a very specific opportunity uh, to be engaged in the work of Project YM. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. While you're there, tell me about the favorite game that you had from your youth group days. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today with Tony Vicenda, founder and Graham Poobah of Project YM, his beardiness himself. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Timothy. You look a little bit like you came from a high school production of Zorba the Greek. I mean, I might have. I cannot. I mean, I, <laughs> my fans can't track me down, and so... So you have you have this uh, prominent beard that mm -hmm. just comes into the room and, and says, I'm here. Uh, and part of the way that you have gone about funding the work of Project YM is by um, by catering to uh, to men of, of similar prominence, the hirsute and holy, we might say, <laughs> uh, with with uh, something that my listeners may have heard of Catholic beard balm. Mm -hmm. What in the heck? What is Catholic? What what makes a beard balm Catholic? I mean, I mean, nothing is secular when seen through God's eyes. It's all His, and so you know, we're just giving it back to Him. No, so a few years ago, um, and uh, we may have talked about this before, but we started a um, a uh, uh, just at a conference. We thought, hey, it'd be really fun if we had Catholics and had beard balms, and I had had to do some some work around um, the sacraments, and so I had some unconsecrated chrism uh, uh, essence, and so we made some. Chrism scented beard balm and uh, my business partners all thought I was uh, nuts and we sold out and had a waiting list at the end and that 
slowly built up into a ministry that helps um, support Project YM, as well as the work we do in Uganda and a number of other ministry outlets around the globe. Um, but um, along with that, we we have money that comes in from a bunch of different random uh, and, and varied sources that are almost all as ridiculous as making Catholic beard balm. You know, most of the time when we hear about some uh, apostolate in the church, they have gone out and made a 501c3 and then almost immediately begin soliciting donations so that they continue can continue to do the work that they're doing. Uh, but you've taken a different track in that. And not that there's anything wrong with without going out and, and building a donor base because that's how God uh, provides for his people, right? Mm-hmm. But you've taken more of the Pauline track uh, and followed that example of St. Paul and making tents, except instead of that, you're making other things, uh, beard balm or whatever the case is. And you're using this little, uh, well, I would say novelty product because I don't use a whole lot of it. Yeah, I mean, for some a, people I would say at best it's a vanity product, but for a number of people, it is a novelty product at also. And vanity in the traditional sense of it's to, it's, it's, it's about appearance, but it also is about healthiness. Like mm-hmm. it is about beard and hair and skin health. But so if you use conditioner on your hair, it basically does the exact same things that 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 does, but for your beard and the skin underneath it. And so it is, it is a health, uh, health and cosmetic product, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we've, we've done that. Um, and it's, it is just like, let's just like you said, like Paul made tents, uh, to help support not just his ministry, but the broader ministry, not just to pay himself, but to support the work of the community that we use in Catholic Bombco for years has supported us growing in ways we couldn't have imagined without that kind of financial support. The, the number of people who, uh, who purchase things from us, who support us in that way. It's amazing. But at the same time, we also um, we're get drawn into bigger and bigger conversations. If you had asked me, you know, five years ago, hey, would you guys be working in the slums of Uganda um, on the streets of big cities in the U.S. and Canada and the U.K.? Would you be running two online conferences? We just launched a new one called Lead Day that's specifically for ministry teams um, who work with the youth minister. Um, you know, I would have said maybe some of that, you know, I may have, may have guessed the online, com- you know, conference right. component, or I may have said, uh, Hey, you know, we'll be working with more diocese, but I would not have expected the amazing things that God's allowed to happen through our ministry. Um, and that stretched the the financial support that we, we currently have. And we actually, we actually pretty firmly believe in being a for-profit. There's a couple other ministries out there that, that feel that way. And it's not about anything other than um, it forces us to m- focus on excellence in the ministry work that we do and on excellence in the way that we pursue that rather than on people just liking us. Though people do like us. We're, we're very <laughs> good looking and we're very smart and charming also. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is a very different approach. Um, but the fact that it's rooted in uh, in Paul's life and in, in Scripture is something we feel it's a it's a very uh, vital and viable way in the same way that taking up donations is represented in scripture and that we know as a way to support the church also. I love this, this whole concept because, you know, Paul, St. Paul going out and making a tent, people needed shelter, right? There was this, this, um, cultural need that tents are how the Bedouin lifestyle was. That's where certain people groups used that tent period. Mm -hmm. So there, there was this, uh, you know, the hierarchy of needs, that, right. that tent falls pretty high up there. Uh, and so we, th- we hear something like beard balm right. or, or another thing that you do is, is, um, gaming, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and so you've got these, these things that are, uh, we might think luxury, we might think, um, uh, you know, entertainment, 
but they are so um, almost hipster, almost this little niche and how God has taken that wild hair of, Hey, I've got all this extra chrism that I need to do something with. I know I'll make Christmas gifts. We'll do beard balm. Uh, this wild hair turns mm-hmm. into something that, that fuels ministry. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's like our, my friend and I think another guest of yours in the past, Edmund Mitchell mm-hmm. uh, wrote an article at one point in time that was um, all hipsters eventually become Catholic because in a lot of ways we were the original counterculture. Right. And so people are like, well, when do you think the beard phase is going to play out? And I was like, well, let's, let's go ahead and identify beardedness as the natural state. And so <laughs> it's when is the shaving fad going to fall away? Right. <laughs> Um, and so, but, but Catholics, if you, if you think about it, like when I was growing up, Catholic men had beards, like even when it wasn't popular in the culture, my dad, his friends, they all had beards. I mean, not all of them. There were a couple of weirdos, but, um, <laughs> the reality is it's something that, that has actually existed in Catholic culture outside of that. And we can look at the 133rd Psalm, what St. Augustine reflects on it, that the beard is a sign of, of manliness, of courageousness, of, of a virtuous Life, and that's not to say that growing a beard makes you virtuous, um, but that when we start to engage in um, true complementarity and an understanding of what it means to be a man, um, those things that do signify masculinity are a part of that. Shouldn't be shied away from, nor should they be made into just a a fetish that says, "Oh, you do that." So, um, but yeah, it's it's been a really interesting um, journey. But the I think the big challenge right now is, you know, it's. Um, there are only so many beards um, right. and there, and we are, we're a home-based business. A lot of people don't realize that we don't have a manufacturing thing. We make everything by hand. Um, and it's a, it's a task. We've got an employee who helps manage that. Um, but and there's only so many of you. There's only so many of me and we can't international shipping, all these other things that, that keep us from being able to grow that. And if we just try to grow Catholic bomb co project YM suffers, if we just try to grow project YM Catholic bomb co suffers, and it's not just a vanity project anymore. We run prayer things every single year that engage thousands of men in praying for spiritual health Mm -hmm. and physical health and engaging in the virtues. And and we've started rolling that out for, for women also. So there's actually become a direct ministry outlet through Catholic bomb co. We didn't expect, and we want both of those things to be served well. So we're actually doing something right now, um, that I'd love to share uh, mm-hmm. share with your your listeners, and that's um, we're launching our first ever crowdsourcing project, and we hope our first and only. Um, over the last couple of years, as we've grown, as we've evolved, um, we've had to change our business structure around to right. look at different ways to continue to be successful, and we're looking to set ourselves up for the next five years of very successful ministry. We feel like God is still calling us to more, even though he's called us beyond what we could have imagined. Right. Um, Cause that's what God does usually. And so um, we just launched support project William for the next 12 days. Um, we're trying to fundraise initially $20,000. If we can do that, um, that's going to give us a runway to hire some new staff, specifically a project manager, which we desperately need um, to work with diocese to bring more of them on to what we're doing through Thrive Thrive Conference and a lot of those resources for Project YM. And it's also going to let us take some of the money from Catholic Bomb Co. and redirect that towards other ministries that we feel like have a greater need. And so those are two things we're trying to do right now that that really need to happen in order for both of these things to keep on growing. And and because we're not a non-for-profit, um, rather than going the route of like, hey, just give us your money, what we're actually asking people to do is kind of like on Kickstarter or another crowdsource, mm-hmm. uh, crowdfunding sites, is to go to supportprojectym.com, uh, check things out there. If you can't do anything else, to just pray for us 
and to share that link, supportprojectwilliam.com, um, on social media with their friends, download it on a USB, pass it off to your pastor, whatever you need right. to do, um, just to help get the word out over the next 12 days. But if you can give, um, there's different levels that we can give at that get you stuff. And even the first two levels, they're gift certificates. Basically, you, if you donate $20, you get $40 worth of gift certificates. If you donate 40 you get $90. Um, there's a $100 level, which gets you even more digital Mm-hmm. Stuff, but basically, if you're about to go buy stuff for Christmas and you want to buy it from Catholic companies, we have about 12 different Catholic companies that have partnered with us to give us different levels of gift certificates. So when you give us 20 bucks, you're going to get more than $20 worth of value back mm-hmm. from that. And then there's higher levels. So if you want a beard bomb that's named after your pastor, um, there's a oh, there's a there donation level for that. If you want one named after you, there's a donation level for that. If you want to have us come out to your diocese or your parish to talk about youth ministry, evangelization, discipleship, there's a level for that. Um, This might sound kind of weird. If you wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons with me and Bob (laughs) Rice from the University of Steubenville, Ohio, uh, there is a pledge level for that. And so there's a lot of different perks that you can get. Um, for pledging, um, but my, my Protestant upbringing is bells and whistles. You're having the satanic panic flags, right now. Right. If it makes you feel better, it's not actual Dungeons and Dragons for that exact reason. <laughs> it's a different system uh, that's in no way, shape, or form had any sort of uh, concern raised around it. Yeah. But um, there's a whole lot of levels in there that you can go and support us. Also, Tim, I know you love my You Matter shirt. I do. If you if you subscribe at ten dollars or more. Um, you can add on a You Matter shirt, which is these blue shirts that just say You Matter on them. People absolutely love them. It's a great bridge into a conversation about faith, mm-hmm. about um, theology of the body, specifically the, the hermeneutic of gift um, uh, in that. And so um, if you if you want to get one of those shirts, you could go and support us and you could get and, one. And I will. And one of the things that is unique about this, among other things, is that because you're not a not-for-profit, uh, people aren't signed that, you know, they don't get the tax benefit, but they do get the rewards and they're not signing up to get, uh, every month another, uh, Oh, please help us. We're running out and we need no. your assistance right now. You are going to be using this as a seed money to, to continue into the ministry, uh, which has already been very successful. There's already a track record and, uh, you're going to continue doing your tent making things that are going to carry you on through this. Absolutely. We actually have two big projects now that I can't talk about yet, but when they happen, I will come back and talk about them with your listeners um, that are actually about to bring in um, some, some great support, but we have to get from here to there. And that's one of the reasons we have to make kind of this, this visioning process happen. And, and that's one of the main reasons we need the support right now and so so they go to project y uh, support support project ym.com uh and that's where you do the crowdfunding but please go look at project ym.com as well see all the wonderful resources that are there that will help your parish engage and make disciples out of your youth we've been talking today with tony vicinda uh, founder and grand poobah his beardiness himself from project ym.com tony thank you as always for coming on and sharing your time with us. Timothy, thanks for having me. And there's nearly 15 minutes of extra content uh, from this conversation available to those who support the show through Patreon. If you go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link. You can see all the different levels that you can support the show, starting for as little as $5 a month. You get access to all the extra segments that we've ever produced. I think you're going to enjoy it, especially our conversation today with Tony. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to today's show as we dive into scripture and our reading from church history right after this break. 
Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. And today I want to hear about that game, that favorite game you had when you were in youth group way back in the day. We'll be right back right after this with much more. You're listening to outside the walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we again had the great pleasure of talking with Tony Vicinda. He's been on the show before, uh, but today we were talking about ProjectYM.com, YM for Youth Ministry. Uh, it's an organization that he founded that, uh, that provides uh, insight and continuing education for youth ministers around the globe. Go to ProjectYM.com, take a look at their blog. They've got a, uh, a youth ministry community of about, uh, I think he said, 5,000 folks that come together and, and talk about best practices with youth ministry, talk about what games they use. But more than that, they talk about the ways that they engage young people with, uh, with the gospel, making disciples out of them uh, so that they can live a life uh, anchored in Christ. If you missed any part of the show, have no fear. As always, it's archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. You can go take a look at it. Not only catch that episode uh, and share it with those in youth ministry in your parish and those who are your your friends on social media, but you can also find the other episodes, the other two episodes that Tony has done with us uh, here on, on the show. And of course, there's more to the conversation than we're, we have time to air today. And so we've got about 15 minutes of an extra segment available to those who support the show through Patreon. While you're there on OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link and uh, and look at the different levels. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to all the extra segments we produce. Join that community of sponsors, which helps keep us on the air and get cool extra segments and my undying gratitude. Let's turn our attention now to our readings from Scripture and from Church History. We're going to take our reading from uh, Scripture today out of a recent responsorial psalm coming from Psalm 78. Do not forget the works of the Lord. Hearken, my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter mysteries from of old. Do not forget the works of the Lord. While he slew them, they sought him and inquired after God again, remembering that God was their rock and the Most High God their Redeemer. Do not forget the works of the Lord. But they flattered him with their mouths and lied to him with their tongues, though their hearts were not steadfast toward him, nor were they faithful to his covenant. Do not forget the works of the Lord. But he, being merciful, forgave their sin, and destroyed them not. Often he turned back his anger, and let none of his wrath be roused. Do not forget the works of the Lord. That reading is a responsorial psalm, comes from Psalm 78. And how important this is. This is more than academic knowledge. This is more than uh, intellectual pursuit the works of the Lord are these things that we have experienced of him. In fact, 
Um, when we go into the parish and we dip our hands in the holy water and we uh, make the sign of the cross, we are remembering our baptism, not so much in an intellectual sense or recalling the the act for some of us who were baptized as infants, we, we can't remember in that sense the act. But what we can do is we can call to mind the works of the Lord. We can say uh, that I remember what my baptism does. And because I know that I have been a recipient of that, here I am putting the holy water that first blessed me and first cleansed me of my original sin. And I am reacting, right? I'm, I'm being again reminded that I have been baptized and that requires something of me. It's not this intellectual knowledge. Rather, it is a very ex- experiential encounter with, uh, with a tangible thing, with the holy water. Just as I talked about at the beginning, uh, the, the church does a beautiful job of giving us these tangible moments to contemplate to, uh, to fill our minds with, not so much in an intellectual capacity as, as if having all the right answers or all the right apologetics is, is going to make it perfect, but rather something that we can uh, chew on, something that we can meditate on and, and hold in our hearts more fully. In fact, our, our second reading, our reading from uh, church history today, comes from a sermon by St. Bernard talking about the stages of contemplation. And he says, let us take our stand on secure ground, leaning with all our strength on Christ, the most solid rock. According to the words, he set my feet upon a rock and guided my steps. Thus firmly established, let us begin to contemplate, to see what he is saying to us and what reply we ought to make to his charges. The first stage of contemplation, my dear brothers, is constantly to consider what God wants, what is pleasing to him, what is acceptable in his eyes. We all offend in many things. Our strength cannot match the rectitude of God's will, being neither one with it nor wholly in accord with it. Let us then humble ourselves under the powerful hand of the Most High God and be concerned to show ourselves unworthy before his merciful gaze, saying, Heal me, Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. And again, Lord, have mercy on me. Heal my soul, because I have sinned against you. Once the eye of the soul has been purified by such considerations, we no longer abide within our own spirit in a sense of sorrow, but abide rather in the Spirit of God with great delight. No longer do we consider what is the will of God for us, but rather what it is in itself, for our life is in his will. Thus we are convinced that what is according to his will is in every way more advantageous and fitting for us. And so, concerned as we are to preserve the life of our soul, we should be equally concerned, insofar as we can, not to deviate from his will. Thus, having made some progress in our spiritual exercise under the guidance of the Spirit, who searches the deep things of God, let us reflect how sweet is the Lord and how good he is in himself. In the words of the prophet, let us pray to see God's will. No longer shall we frequent our own hearts, 
but his temple. At the same time, we shall say, my soul is humbled within me. Therefore, I shall be mindful of you. The whole spiritual life consists of these two elements. When we think of ourselves, we are perturbed and filled with salutary sadness. And when we think of the Lord, we are revived to find consolation in the joy of the Holy Spirit. From the first, we derive fear and humility. From the second, hope and love. That reading comes from a sermon by St. Bernard about the stages of contemplation. And I think it's very uh, important for us today as we're talking about the exaltation of the cross. We're talking about, uh, one, having these very tangible gifts that God gives us in order that we can contemplate the will of God. But second, as we're mindful of of the cross, we're mindful of the feast that follows that today's feast uh, of Our Lady of Sorrows, we're mindful that God's will for us is not always the one that we would find most pleasant. God's will for us is the same as it was for his son, that we walk our way through the garden where we face ourselves and and we face our own limitations and our own desires and and the, our own desire for, for ease. And we say, oh, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup, whatever that cup happens to be in your life right now, let this cup pass from me. But hopefully, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you and I can look and with Christ say, nevertheless, God the Father, not my will, but yours be done. In the cross of Christ, we find the the redemption of the whole cosmos, the redemption of the world. In the cross of Christ, that lowest, um, most shameful thing that humanity could ever imagine, God finds the the most uh, glorious thing, the most exalted thing, as he uses that cross to redeem the world. But then Jesus looked to his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. You and I have that path to walk as well, a path that will lead us to the cross. And when we pick up that cross, when we carry it, when we deny ourselves and crucify our own uh, humanity, our own flesh, our own uh, concupiscence, then we find ourselves raised with Christ in newness of life, where Christ, we no longer live, but Christ lives through us, Paul says. And in that place, we finally find who we were created to be. And it's somewhat counterintuitive that in humility, we we find exaltation. But we see this over and over again in Scripture. In, in the book of Philippians, we're encouraged to have this mind among us, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, found in human form. He humbled himself to be obedient, yes, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of his humility, because he emptied himself. Therefore, he was highly exalted by God and bestowed uh, on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's all the time we have this week. May that be something that we strive for. Today's show was brought to you by Carol Carlson and all those who support the show through Patreon. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.